to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fullick. And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fulk, and as always, we like to talk about things related to organizational resilience, business continuity, disaster planning, COVID-19, anything that's relatable to those topics, and anything that helps you, your organization, or your community plan for and prepare for and overcome adverse situations. If there's a topic you'd like us to talk about on the show, or you would like to be a guest on the show, For Voice America listeners, go to the Voice America page for the show. There is a button underneath the graphic that says send the host an email. You can send me a note, and I do respond to everything. For those watching on YouTube, you can check out the details. I have a link to my uh, LinkedIn profile there. I am the only Alex Fullick on LinkedIn, so you can find me uh, or leave a comment, and uh, I'll reach you uh, that way, and uh, we'll see about getting on the show. Same thing, if you want to promote products or services, you can reach me the same way and I can get you information. And of course, as always, thanks to everybody at Stone Road and their product, Boast Assessment, that allows you to uh, measure your uh, business continuity programs and align your resources uh, appropriately and measure where you are in your progression. Now, today's topic Longtime listeners uh, on Voice America, you'll know that I was presenting at the Business Continuity Institute uh, Virtual World Conference in November. And uh, fingers crossed, I said I'd hope to get a few of the speakers there to come on the show here and talk about what uh, they had to say and and present. And today is uh, one of those shows where I'm lucky enough to have one of those speakers with us. Uh, their topic was cyber compromised data risk management. And I'd like to welcome to the show, John Beatty. John, welcome to the show. Alex, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, we've got uh, listeners literally around the globe. So can you take a minute or two and tell us about yourself, what you do, and how you got into the industry? Oh, sure. Well, as you can tell, I've been around for a while. Um, <laughs> so, um, I've been with SunGuard for the past 12 and a half years and uh, working primarily with many of our enterprise, uh, large enterprise organizations around uh, as recovery and business continuity, uh, crisis management, some other things, third party risk management. So, um, you know, I've I've covered a lot of areas um, within SunGuard. And prior to SunGuard, I actually owned the business continuity program globally uh, for News Corporation, which is obviously a very large organization, Fortune 50 company at the time. Uh, prior to that, 15 years with Ernst & Young in management consulting. And even in my distant past, I've actually been a CIO um, and started out way back uh, you know, as, as a programmer um, and, and developing, developing systems and supporting manufacturing systems in different, different plants and different organizations. So, um, so I've kind of seen it all. Uh, the past 20 years or so have been exclusively focused around, uh, business, let's say, business resilience uh, both on the technical side as well as on the business side. It's interesting you mentioned Ernst & Young. I used to be with them back in uh, 2000, 2001 here in Toronto. Maybe our paths crossed way back then. Who knows? 
Yeah, I love Y2K, right? Everybody was uh, was busy then. Um, and I forgot to mention something. Uh, you may, may see uh, the name Jessica up on uh, the video there, up in the top. Uh, she helped coordinate today's call. So that's wh why her name is there, because she's on the line, but she's not participating. Just in case anybody's wondering, you know, who's Jessica and why isn't she talking? She's listening in. So, you know, hi, Jessica. Thank you. Uh, so let's jump into today's topic, uh, <clears throat> cyber compromise data risk management. Let's start off with ransomware. What is ransomware? I know, um, you know, it's a big thing right now. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people asking questions about it. So can you tell us about what ransomware is? Yeah, certainly, Alex. So um, it, it, it's clearly nearly a day, a day goes by that you don't see something about ransomware um, and, and its impact on the organization. And it's clearly, you know, top of mind with, with executives and boards uh, with many of the organizations that you know, we work with. And in essence, what it is is the bad actors come in, uh, they uh, encrypt your data, uh, and then uh, look to hold it for uh, for ransom, and, and and force you to pay them if you want to get that data back. Probably one of the more interesting characteristics of ransomware attacks is that the bad actors have gotten very sophisticated, and they actually uh, before they actually encrypt your production data, they will actually go after it either disable or encrypt your backup data as well uh, hmm. and to kind of force your hand to consider actually making the payments to them. But what it's really about is, you know, them coming in, uh, disabling your data, making, putting it in, in, a, in a state that you cannot actually access it, and then doing their best to force you to pay them if you want to uh, get the keys uh, in order to uh, uh, encrypt it, if you will. Now, I've also heard and uh, read different things that sometimes ransomware, um, you've got it in your system, but you don't know it for a while. So how do organizations know that they've got ransomware? Are they just waiting for the phone call or the email or the you know, telegram you know, <laughs> that comes from you know, these bad actors that says, guess what, what I've done? You know, so you know, how does that work? Well, the, 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 the dwell time, if you will, so how long that, 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 that uh, malware has been sitting in your environment um, has, you know, uh, actually been coming down. So in many cases, you know, they might be out there for, out there for you know, weeks or, in, in fact, many months uh, because what they're trying to do is to make sure that they can grab your um, um, you know, backup data, you know, first. Uh, before they grab your production data, so they're actually you know searching around your network and making sure that they have act they can they can get access to everything. Uh, probably a good example is we worked with an organization uh, four or five months ago, and the um, uh, you know one day the message came up and they had their their uh, inventory management system was compromised, being held for ransomware, and it turns out they had an IT ticket that was sitting for about six weeks, where all of a sudden their uh, backup uh, software stopped working for this particular application. And somebody said, gee, the backups aren't working right. They opened up a ticket, but it never really bubbled to the top where folks got excited by, let's resolve it until the ransomware hit. And they had not taken backups of their inventory management wow. for, you know, for six weeks. So, so that malware was in there. The bad actors probably had been in there for quite a bit of time to figure out where's the best, um, you know, uh, what, what, what are the best data, what's the best data to target? 
they disabled the backups, let that go, you know, go for about six weeks, uh, and then hit them with the ransomware. And, and um, so they had no recourse except to pay the ransom. Is there any way that we can recognize something is wrong? You know, a file name, or, you know, the, an indicator in, in something that could raise a flag saying, hey, I think we might have something here? Yeah, well, that, I'll first point out that then there's this there's the ransomware that actually comes in, hits you quickly, and, you know, it, there is no dwell time. As soon as they find a way in, they're, 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 they're going immediately after you. So there's no way to detect that. Um, you know, the thing, the, the, uh, the attacks that, that take place on virtually no notice. Uh, but, the, you know, but the, there are situations where there's, um, you know, where they might be in there for quite some time. And yes, if you are properly scanning, you know, um, your, your environment, you would probably, you might be able to detect that they were there. Very few organizations actually scan their backup data to see if anything is messing with that. So, uh, so, so that's been a key uh, area of, of um, uh, you know, a threat, if you will, is um, you know, making sure that you have clean backup data that is uh, free of any known uh, malware. Um, so there are products in the marketplace uh, that actually do uh, enable scanning of your, of your backup systems and some of the different products that are out there, both hardware and software have those kinds of capabilities in there without mentioning any names. But, um, um, you know, but it is uh, becoming more prevalent to actually scan and evaluate your backup data to make sure that it is, it is clean uh, as well and is malware-free. So you could have ma- malware on your production, back it up, and that malware gets carried into your backups, and then your entire, you know, uh, <clears throat> your entire library is, <laughs> is corrupted. Yeah. So Go ahead. If you can recover data from your backups, there's no reason to pay the bad actors. So uh, gotcha. yeah. make sure that you have no recourse. Um, and then one of the key challenges now is that I guess it was, in, it was probably late last year when um, uh, the um, back in October, I think it was, when the uh, U.S. Department of Treasury released a, um, you know, the, the Office of Foreign you know, Asset Control. Uh, released a statement that's basically saying you're going to, um, you know, uh, you may be coming after you if you make payments to any bad actor on the OFAC list. And for the most part, foreign, um, you know, foreign government bad actors, if you will, uh, are on that list. So um, it's even more important to be ready to recover your own data, and you know, because you have now have fewer options for for actually paying the ransomware. Uh, or the U.S. Treasury, the FBI, and, and uh, the Secret Service will be coming after you. So really, you got to do your homework ahead of time. Otherwise, because if you pay to get your data back, you could be in trouble. And you're already in trouble, you know, because you've got the malware. Yes, absolutely. It's like stuck between a rock and a hard place. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, as we're kind of talking about this, there's a, there was a, 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 you know, Forrester, if you don't mind me mentioning that, put out a, uh, a document back in uh, August of last year, um, and it was called the State of Disaster Recovery Preparedness in 2020. And uh, for those folks who are listening that may have access to it, I highly recommend that they take a look at it, because it does go um, and, and emphasize in a very um, uh, convincing way, if you will, uh, A, the need for advanced planning 
for data recovery after a successful cyber attack, and also identifying, uh, and they uh, totally support, um, you know, position that, that I've had for quite some time is that typical disaster recovery programs do not work in the case of a, uh, of a ransomware attack. So, um, uh, you know, their, their, their position um, is very, very well presented. And I certainly recommend that folks take a look at that and, uh, you know, evaluate their own programs uh, in terms of their readiness to uh, be able to recover data after a successful cyber attack based on some of the guidelines and, and, and insights that are in that particular article. I know we're going to touch on that, the differences between uh, data recovery and uh, disaster recovery, but i got a quick question uh, before we go there. Is it the same people or the same teams that would be involved with both of those, or is it totally different uh, skill sets and groups who should be focusing on this? Yeah, really good question. So um, let me start with prevention. So, you know, usually the CISO, you know, the cybersecurity team within an organization, they're responsible for preventing something from happening, putting up all the, you know, the controls and the roadblocks and, and doing all the analytics to make sure that, you know, a, a cyber attack is not successful if launched against their organization. Um, but, you know, we all know from, you know, again, from, from news and, and highly publicized events that uh, attacks are successful and they do get through because it doesn't take much for somebody to allow something to get through, especially since well, so many folks are working remotely now. Um, so um, when the it's time to recover data after the successful attack, typically that falls under the responsibility of either the disaster recovery team, but certainly within the infrastructure and operations team, they tend to own that recovery effort with support from the CISO's organization but very rarely with any of the organizations that we're working with uh, is it the responsibility of the CISO to actually recover the data. Uh, although in some cases the CISO may own DR. But uh, typically the disaster recovery team is the team that is looked at and is responsible for making sure that they can recover the data in the aftermath of a successful cyber attack. And one last question before we, we move on to that uh, disaster recovery and uh, data recovery. Does business get involved because it's data? Do they need to do some sort of validation that says, um, you, you know, IT, you're telling us you have um, recovered the data, you know, disaster recovery, you've done your piece. Um, do they need to validate that, yes, they're seeing what they need to see on their end? Well, they're clearly going to, you know, clearly going to be playing, you know, a role with the data. Um, in the once clean data is identified and put back into the production environment. Um, obviously, just like it was a DR situation, the, uh, you know, the business folks have to, um, you know, come in and understand the recovery point and understand the, um, um, you know, where, the, where they're starting from and where they have to pick up from. But as we'll, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking about in more detail, yep. <laughs> every point is very different in a disaster recovery situation versus a cyber attack, um, you know, RTOs and RPOs are out the window. Would you believe we've come to the end of our first segment already? So wow. uh, time, time flies when you're talking about interesting stuff. Eh? <laughs> uh, today we're talking with John Biddy and his BCI uh, virtual world conference topic, cyber compromised data risk management. And we'll be right back.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you tired of feeling disconnected and shut down? Since every choice has ripple effects, lasting happiness is a product of the choices we make each day. Tune in to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmsted introduced you to authors, musicians, artists, and innovators, all actively engaged in designing a world that works for everyone. Make sure you're along for the ride, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back for segment two. Today we are talking with John Beatty and his BCI Virtual World Conference uh, topic, Cyber Compromised Data Risk Management. John, great first segment, lots of information about uh, ransomware there. I hope uh, lots of people were listening. Uh, Now, you hinted at data recovery differing from uh, disaster recovery. Can you explain that a little bit more? Because I think a lot of people might believe that's, you know, one is part and parcel with the other. Yes, and that's often the the hurdle that we deal with when, um, you know, speaking with, with, you know, with organizations. But typically, once you point out a few key facts, which we'll get into in a second, um, you know, they, they begin to realize, yeah, there is more to this than, um, uh, than, than meets the eye. And my disaster recovery program um, probably isn't going to cut it. And uh, I need to be thinking about, you know, this different recovery case. So let me start by, you know, the, the, you know, the, the triggering, triggering events. They're, they're clearly different. So in a disaster recovery situation, your data center itself has been compromised, whether it's yours, whether it's Colo, whether it's um, you know, something, you know, a, a cloud facility. You know, typically, it's the data center itself that's been compromised you know, in some particular way. But in a, data, in a, in a, a ransomware attack, um, it's the data itself that's been compromised. Hardware is fine. Systems are fine. Air conditioning is fine. You know, all of those things are, you know, are, are just fine, but it's the data itself that's been compromised. Uh, as a result of the ransomware, or, or, or in some cases, wiperware uh, that actually wipes the data out. Um, so it's um, so there's there's some obvious differences there. 
Um, and, you know, in the disaster recovery situation, what you're doing is you are recovering into a new environment. So I'm going to stop, you know, uh, operating from one data center. And I'm going to pick up and I'm going to, you know, uh, op, you know move to another data center. Um, so I'm transitioning to a new production environment, if you will. In the case of a, a data recovery effort, um, typically I'm recovering, um, you know, in place. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to I find clean data uh, somewhere um, in my in my archives, um, and we'll talk more about what clean data is in a minute. Um, and then I'm, once I identify you know my best my latest available clean data, clean data being malware free, I'm going to bring that data back into my production environment, um, and, and typically that's on hardware that has been rebuilt from bare metal because you want to make sure that there is no malware on that hardware. Um, so what most organizations do is uh, they will rebuild that server from the from, from bare metal um, and then repatriate clean data uh, that they identify uh, and bring it back into that production environment and then start, you know, start from there. Uh, the challenge is that um, clean data is not necessarily your last backup. If the bad actors have been uh, doing their job and doing their job well, they have been also corrupting or disabling your uh, your, your backups. So um, your uh, you know backup from last night, for example, um, just might not might also have been corrupted, and your backups from the past several weeks may have been corrupted. So your latest clean data could be a day, a week, a month, or more old. And that's the best you have that's malware free. So um, that's why I mentioned earlier that RTOs and RPOs tend to be out the window simply because, you know, um, you know, they have, you know, those terms have been around for years, 30 years uh, or more, and uh, they are optimized for a disaster recovery effort. They are not optimized for a, uh, they're, they're, they're not likely to be achieved and are rarely achieved in the case of an actual data compromise or data ransomware attack. Is there a difference between, uh, I remember um, a previous uh, job uh, years ago when uh, they used to have, um, let's see, I just scribbled it down, full backups or partial backups being done, uh, incremental backups being done. Does that pose an even greater challenge if something is not being backed up all the time and something else is, you know, on an hourly basis you know, does that pose an even bigger issue? Oh, well, certainly the, the you know, um, you know sync, po- sync points uh, tend to be a challenge even in a disaster recovery situation. Um, and they can be more challenging in a uh, data, uh, in, in, in a, in a uh, ransomware ransomware situation because you may just have a single database that's, that's out of, that's, um, you know, been compromised. Um, and then you, you have to understand all of your relationships and, and you may have to roll back Many databases in order to make sure that they're all properly in sync, and um, um, so, you know, so it's very it's it's uh, very important, if you will, to make sure that you are uh, planning for um, exactly how you're going to recover that data. And probably the, the the biggest challenge in all this is that you have no idea what data they're going to go after. In a DR situation, you're you know you may have all of your data that's sitting and replicated into another site. And it's already synced. It's 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 available to you. Yeah, you may have lost you know a few hours of transactions or days worth of transactions, 
but everything that's sitting over in that DR site, you know, is, is for the most part going to be is going to be sync. Um, but um, you know, <coughs> the chance of that happening in a uh, uh, in a ransomware attack again, you don't know what they're going to go after, um, and you've got to you know un, un uh, you know pull pull that string and figure out uh, what are all those relationships and you know what is the point of you know what point is, what is my point my of the, the latest clean data that I have, and now how do I resync everything else around it to that, um, you know, to that particular uh, version of data that it may have? Again, that could be a day, a week, or a month, or more old. Uh, so, you know, so the the challenge becomes very, you know, it's it's a DR recovery effort is very is very rote. I know exactly what I'm going to do. We've we've rehearsed it. We've tested it. You know, people tend to know what their responsibilities are. They know what the sequence of event is. In a cyber compromised event, uh, you've got, you know, you've got a lot of analytics to undertake to figure out, well, you know, how far did this go? How far, you know, what's my latest point of clean data? Um, so it's going to be situ your recovery effort is going to be situationally dependent, which is why your DR plans simply don't work. It's like, um, I, I know it's the wrong term, but it's like data mining. You've got to put on a hard hat and go hunting for it. You yeah. Know, you need to find out where the problem is. Yeah, absolutely. And that takes time. So uh, very rarely is data recovered within days. Uh, it can take you know, uh, three or four days a week uh, or so before you get data back um, um, and you're back in operational. So it's not something, again, RTOs and RPOs are typically out the window. Um, and then there's a you know, another element to this whole thing, which is, um, at what point is data not even worth recovering? Well, um, we're gonna we're gonna go there shortly. Uh, yeah. I, I know we've got that on our list to talk about, um, but I just wanted to touch on a couple of things first. Um, you you mentioned RPO and RTO, and I know what those refer to. Um, we do have people around the globe, and we do have people of different levels of. Uh, experience with disaster recovery or business continuity, et cetera. So could you define what both of those are and how that relates to, you know, the, you know, the, the recovery Excellent. efforts? These 30 plus year old terms, because it's been over 30 years since I first heard these things. Um, and, um, uh, but RTO is recovery time objective. So that is basically, um, you know, how quickly, you know, what's my target for uh, getting, System uh, an application back up and operational. Uh, you know, what's what's the, the time that the business keeps it back uh, before it starts becoming you know, problematic? That's the recovery time objective. Often, it, you know, the more critical systems, it could be a matter of hours or you know, rarely more than a day. Uh, the recovery point objective is you know how much data can I you know tolerate losing? Um, and again, that's usually you know measured in a day or so or hours. So um, uh, and that's um, uh, so. What's the what's the point of um, a point in time that I can, that I can the business is willing to accept the loss of data? And again, that tends to be fairly uh, fairly short. Perhaps uh, you know, in some cases, um, you know, for some high volume systems, the RPO could be zero. Uh, it needs to you know I cannot afford to lose anything more than the last transaction that might be a flight system. In the most transactional systems, it's, it's probably closer to you know, four hours, in some cases 24. But rarely do we see an RPO in excess of 24. 
but we know from experience that in a cyber a cyber attack, you're not going to hit that RPO at all. Yeah, I was I was just going to say from from what you were saying, you know, uh, getting data back could be a couple of uh, days, could be, you know, um, and if you, business or uh, wants an RTO, RPO, whatever, let's say, uh, you know, four hours, you know, usually it's zero, <laughs> is the first thing that comes out of people's mouth. Um, how how do you get people to understand that there's a big difference between that? If you have a ransomware attack, you could not have this data for a couple of days, even though you're saying you need it in four hours. Right. So we, when, we, when we work with our clients and, and introduce this topic to the new, the new clients, um, it's always around, um, you know, you've got to understand the characteristics of a disaster recovery situation, very structured. You know, I know exactly what I'm going to do. It's rehearsed. To a chaotic situation, you know, I don't know what data, you know, um, you know, has been compromised. Um, I have to make sure that, you know, uh, you know, any data that I am going to begin to reuse is malware-free. And by the way, we have seen organizations actually reintroduce the malware through their recovery effort back into the production environment. In some cases, it gets even worse, so that malware can actually expand. You mean, you mean they're infecting themselves? They're infecting themselves from their own backups. Oh, so, um, you know, that's why it's, you know, so the, the, the analytics and the care you have to take to make sure that that data is, uh, uh, that you're going to bring back into the environment is clean and malware free, you know, as well as understanding all the same points and things like that, um, you know, is not, is not an easy situation. And what data do they go after? They're not going after all the data that you have. They can't. Um, so you've got to figure out just, well, how far did they go? You know, when did this happen? So there's a lot of analytics, a lot of thinking. And one of the things that we see with a lot of organizations is, you know, when they, if, if, let's say there's data on a particular server that's been, that's been encrypted, um, they're going to lock down that server and they may set it aside, take it out of off production and um, because they want to, you know, save it for uh, forensic purposes. So then now they may, you know, stand up a new server, you know, Build, build a new server and then you know identify clean data, which is by the way typically done off network because uh, you don't want to be uh, evaluating data and making sure it's malware free on your network because again you might bring that virus back in or uh, that, that malware back into your environment. So you're going to do that offline and you're comfortable you've got you know malware free data, then you're going to bring that back into your production environment and in many cases onto a fresh server or possibly a, a server, the original server that's been, that's been rebuilt. So there's a lot of things to be thinking about, a lot of things, things to analyze. It's not a cookie cutter, you know, um, I don't want to minimize the effort for a disaster recovery effort, but it can be fairly rote and a um, recovering data after a successful cyber attack, um, you know, is very situationally specific. Uh, I'm going to jump a little bit to the side for a moment. While IT is busy doing that, which could be a couple of days, uh, what should the business be doing? Do they just sit there and twiddle their thumbs? You know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, what, what are they doing or what would you expect them to be doing in the meantime? Um, probably ending up with a head of hair like mine. Like <laughs> um, but um, what's interesting about your, your, your question, Alex, is that when we, uh, when we develop business continuity plan now, um, and this is we've been doing this probably for the past couple of years, 
um, we make sure that we put into those business continuity plans. What are you going to do, uh, first of all, to recover? You know, how are you going to recover the data that you're likely to lose in the event of a disaster situation? But also, how are you going to recover a, uh, you know, a week's worth of data and a month's worth of data? And we try to you know, get the business thinking about that ahead of time and kind of reflecting, you know, capturing some of those strategies in their DC plans uh, for, um, you know, just, just in case. Now we don't do that for every system, you know, you know uh, what we try to do and, and uh, you know, that we have the term vital data assets. Um, and what we try to do is work with organizations around identifying what is the data that you really, really, really need um, an extra level of investment to protect and um, uh, because you can't, you know, you can't invest in extra levels of protection for all of your data. Um, so there's a, a subset of critical data that we that we often refer to as vital data, and that's the data that you want to make sure that the business understands how they're going to recover a week's worth of you know lost data and a month's worth of lost data. Uh, you know, should should that happen, um, and that gets them, you know, kind of mentally care for uh, what it's interesting that you mentioned that because I remember a specific situation um, with a finance team uh, a long time ago and uh, they all assumed that everything would be done by IT including validating all the data you know everything nothing would be missing at all it would be you know just perfect when everything came back up and um, I remember being in a meeting and uh, one of the security people turned around to the uh, business team, the, the finance team, and said, well, what's your plan for validating that everything's there and that, uh, you know, everything that you want is available. You're seeing what you need. You're not seeing partial data. You know, what's your plan? And the, the look on the finance director was, you know, I, I don't want to say funny, but um, I'll say blank. Like, What? It's not all going to be there. We're we're not just going to be able to pick up and run, you know. So it's interesting that you just brought that point up. And, and that's been a deficit in business continuity plans for years, um, decades at this point. Um, and um, you know now with the the uh, you know because of the malware situation, you know we have rethought how we deal with that whole situation. Um, so you know, like I said, for the past year and a half or so. We've been building in that data, uh, you know, that data loss, anticipated data loss uh, strategies into the BC plans. And that applies to both disaster recovery situations where the good news is all you have to do is figure out how I'm going to cover the gap, you know, the RPO gap. Uh, but in the case of a, uh, a cyber attack, you've got to think about, well, much farther than the RPO. You know, the RPO might be a day or four hours or zero. Uh, but now I have to think about you know, a week or a, possibly a month's worth of lost data. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, there's, there is a the point in time where um, it just doesn't even make sense to recover data. So in the case of... Um, yeah, we're going to go there in just a minute. Okay. Because I, I know there you've, you've got a lot to, to say on that piece. So that's going to be a segment on its own. <laughs> so on that note, we're going to end our second segment. We're talking with John Beatty today and his BCI Virtual World Conference topic Cyber Compromised Data Risk Management. We'll be right back.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Join Rebecca Hall Greider every week for her new podcast, The Author's Journey. Spend some time getting to know best-selling expert authors, discuss and listen to their journey, and find out what works for them and what hasn't. If you're an aspiring author, you'll want to hear their amazing tips that help you in your own author's journey. Each program helps you discover your own gifts and bring them and your message forward. The Author's Journey. Listen for new episodes on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment and community for the aftermath, emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back. Today we are talking with John Beatty and his BCI Virtual World Conference topic, Cyber Compromise Data Risk Management. John, great information um, you've been talking about. I hope a lot of people are really paying attention. Uh, you started to talk about the uh, maximum vital data, the MVDL. Can you explain that a little bit more in detail? What kind of data would be considered um, uh, vital, you know, and what kind of data maybe would be fluff and if they can't get it back, no big deal. Yeah. So um, you know, let me start with, with the, with the concept of, you know, vital data, uh, that was kind of set, set the stage. So, um, you know, what we recommend to organizations is that, you know, uh, that they identify their vital data assets, their VDAs, if you will. And what a vital data asset is, it's the data that because of its importance to the company, to the organization, um, it's, um, it's worthy of an extra duty of care, an extra level of investment to reduce the risk of a failed data recovery effort. So nothing is guaranteed in this, in this cyber world because the, the bad actors are constantly, you know, um, in some cases a step ahead. Um, but, um, you know, the goal is to, uh, for the data that really is the most vital to your organization to make sure that you do it. Um, potentially make additional levels of investment in, uh, you know, air gap uh, storage, in, you know, um, and, and, you know, put data into a vault that it's really difficult for a bad actor to get to that data as well. You know, if you think back to the old days, if you put data on tape, mm-hmm. you, know, <laughs> you know, hanging there on the rack and it's, you know, until you put it back on the, you know, um, on the on, on the tape machine, you're not. It, it, it's nobody can get access to it. So it's 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 immutable. It, you know now there's obviously problems with tapes. You know, we're, we're way past that. But the concept is that it's important for you know for some data in an organization to take an extra duty of care, make that extra investment, 
buy that extra hardware, buy that specialized software uh, in order to uh, create this either physical or virtual vault that you put your vital data into. Now, that's an extra level of expense. So, um, you know, so it's important to, you know, uh, determine which data, which of your critical data is worth that extra level of investment. And probably one of the interesting things, Alex, that we have found is as we work with some organizations is we often find that some vital data is not even in scope of the disaster recovery program at all. Um, because people don't even think about that data as being, uh, you know, as, as, as being important, uh, you know, to their organization. And um, I'm going to come back to that in a second. So usually the lens that we often look at and to identify vital data, especially if it's a public, you know, large public organization, they're going to um, uh, file their annual 10K. So in an annual 10K that you file, let's say, with the SEC, and there's equivalents for that in other countries and other you know, parts of the world, um, you identify all of your key business risks. Well, those are the risks that are on the mind of the board, or on the mind of the C-suite, and uh, because if any of those risks were to materialize, then that puts the financials uh, you know, at risk, if you will. Uh, so nobody wants any of those risks to materialize. So we often look and, and help to identify vital data assets through that lens. So will the loss of this data um, actually potentially cause any risks in the 10K to actually materialize? So we kind of look at, look at it through that, that kind of a lens. And there's other factors as well. But the point is, and it does vary by organization, how we identify BDAs. But, you know, what are the data that I'm willing to spend more money on to make sure that I can, you know, for, for protection, into a vault um, so that I have reduced my risk of a failed data recovery effort? So that's what vital data assets are. Um, kind of a long explanation, so I apologize for that. Um, if I think about, you know, you know uh, Think about that vital data. Well, in many cases, there's a point that it's, you know what, it's just not even worth recovering. Um, so, you know, so I have this MVDL, this maximum vital data loss concept, to say, what's the point that you just say, how the heck with it? You know, it's, you know, if the best you can do for the IT is to recover data that's two months old, I don't even care, don't even bother. Because um, I'm pretty sure that my warehouse inventory data from two months ago is not exactly going to be very helpful to me, um, you know, today. Um, you know, what I'm going to have to do is to, you know, re-inventory my warehouse um, and, um, um, you know, re rebuild, recreate the data, you know, recreate the data from scratch. So an MVDL is really the point at which it's just not worth recovering the data uh, because it's, you know, uh, it, you know, it simply may not be of any value. Uh, you know, you know, to anyone. Um, now, if I have data that is, or you know, a database, let's say that is, um, um, you know, let's say inventory management. And I mentioned earlier an example where, you know, the organization, the best they could do was come back with, you know, come up with six, six week old data. Well, they had so many products moving through that warehouse, coming in, you know, items coming in, items going out. Um, they decided it was worth the worth paying the ransom because IT could not give them data that was current enough that they could live with it. Uh, so they ended up pay paying the ransom. They were very fortunate that they were able to get the, uh, you know, the, 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 the encryption keys. 
but um, you know they had never really thought about what's the point of data you know that's no longer worth recovering, and um, um, and, and they and they got caught with their pants down so to speak. Now I, I would assume the business has to <clears throat> would have that plan that you mentioned earlier on. You know how do you recreate this data? That would you know if, if there's no plan and you exceeded let's say the MVDL, you're screwed. <laughs> I don't know other way to say it. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it, you know, it's interesting as we, and, and we're working with several organizations even right now, uh, you know, on this topic to identify their vital data assets um, because then they're gonna spend money on, 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 on some technology, if you will, to um, you know, create that fault so they're trying to size the whole thing. And, and they wanna build the business case so they can take it to the board or the board's already approved a whole lot of money uh, for this particular purpose because nobody wants the risks in the 10K if you're a public organization in the U.S. Uh, to materialize. And that's, again, that's the lens that we're using there. Um, so um, you know, it, it, it's, 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 very, it's, it's truly very important to begin to think about what data is vital what am I willing to, you know, what's that additional level of investment that I'm willing to make? And what's the point at which, you know, um, you know, how much data do I, do I want to put in that vault? Because again, that vault costs money. So, you know, for my warehouse inventory system, I don't need six month old data in there. I only need data that's, you know, uh, you know, a week or two old and I'm going to cycle, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to purge that out. Um, and I'm going to, um, you know, be scanning that vault to make sure that any known, malware you know it's free of any known malware and there's always the first day stuff you know that could, that could be in there that nobody's aware of that hasn't hit yet but um you know it's, it's important to manage that data vault um and to uh you know not keep data that's not worth recovering in there um so again it may not make any sense to keep history uh that's that's a month or two months old um you know my vault may only have a short shelf life if you will which then reduces the cost of it. But in some cases, I might want to keep more data uh, in that, uh, spend additional money in case the malware has crept in and I have different snapshots of my data. Um, and so it might be worth recovering six month old data. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's gonna vary uh, application to application. Now, I, you've kind of skimmed the surface on some of this. Uh, I'd like to take the, la the remaining uh, part of the show and uh, or at least a big chunk of it and say, you know, discuss what do organizations need to consider and have in, plan, have in place to be able to prepare for these ransom attacks or anticipate them because they are increasing, you know, and uh, what do they need to have in place to respond to? You know, what's the action plan to, uh, to be ready for this? Um, really good question, Alex. And there's, I guess, <clears throat> components, if you will, um, of an effective program that can be, you know, that, that's ready to be able to respond if needed. So um, probably, let me, let me start with, you know, just like you have a disaster recovery plan, you need a, uh, a compromised data recovery plan as well. And that is the plan that guides the actions that, you're, that the infrastructure and operations teams will take in partnership with the CISO and the, and the cybersecurity team. Um, and so you need that plan pre-thought out, who's going to do what, um, you know, who's going to, you know, um, um, you know, 
who owns the, the you know the forensics probably the CISOs organization they might be bringing in a third party who is a who is particularly adept and understands the the malware that actually you know is is you know uh, even the victim of um, so it's important to have a um, you know a, a, a you know a plan if you will that's specifically focused on this recovery phase and how you're going to operate and certain decisions are typically made ahead of time are we going to only use brand new hardware? Are we going to be doing our, our you know, um, uh, evaluation of the data, uh, make sure it's clean? Are we going to be doing it in the cloud? Are we going to be doing it on servers that we that are that are you know uh, that we that are online but off network, and that we're going to only use those um, uh, you know at, at you know at time of need? So there's a lot of things to be thinking about. So you have that whole plan. Um, and it typically involves internal people, you know, folks from the cybersecurity team, and very often um, the, the services of a, a retainer-based organization, if you will, that can function as your cyber ransomware or your cyber attack response advisor because they live this day-to-day and they can provide, um, you know, uh, exceptional help. So there's the, the plan and the team, if you will. Uh, there is the business continuity piece you know, that some organizations uh, – pursue, which is how is the business going to respond to a uh, significant loss of data? Again, how is the business going to deal with uh, a week's worth of loss, a month's worth of loss, et cetera? Um, and then obviously, um, if you're going to make further investments, if you will, uh, into to protect, your, to protect your vital data, let's say, and you're going to establish that vault, then you probably need a process um, and a procedure for identifying and, and justifying, if you will, your vital data that you're going to spend the extra money on, then to establish the vault, and then to establish the plan to be able to recover all of this stuff. And then there's the the inevitable testing that needs to take place to kind of validate that you can actually. I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask, how do you validate that? So the um, uh, well, that, that's that's a really tough one. So. For your vital data, you can, um, you know, construct actual hands-on, you know, uh, uh, exercises or tests, if you will, to actually validate that people are familiar with the process. So they understand that, okay, you know, we have this data vault, we're going to recover it in the, you know, in this off-net, we're going to be evaluating its efficacy and its cleanliness in this off-network environment. So, um, you know, you can't plan for every database that might possibly be corrupted, but you can uh, exercise the process to be followed, um, you know, which is to, um, okay, let's assume it's data that is in the, in, in the vault. Um, so how am I going to deal with that? You may have the situation where I have data that's not in the vault. So now I have to go back through all of my traditional uh, backups, my VTL library or what have you. Um, so you've got to be able to test all of these different scenarios um, and make sure that people are familiar, you know, um, are you know, comfortable enough with it that you're that you're not going to be bringing back the malware that caused the problem in the first place back into your production environment. Um, so there's a lot of decisions that have to get made for sure, and there's a lot of um, um, you know rehearsals, and it's it's probably even more important to rehearse. It's as important to rehearse. Cyber compromise data recovery, as it is to rehearse the disaster recovery, but recognizing that it is not going to be, you know, a a, a rote, um, you know, process. 
or I can go step one, step two, step three. Um, it, it's important to have some, um, uh, you know, to familiarize people with the general process and then throw some curveballs at them during the exercise. And we also find that, um, you know, many organizations think, oh, we think we have this covered, we're in pretty good shape. <laughs> and if we throw a, uh, a tabletop exercise at them, they go, oh, maybe I wasn't so ready. Maybe my DR program didn't quite cut it. So with a very fairly simple and, you know, two and a half hour, uh, three hour exercise, uh, organizations tend to realize where they have, where they have the gaps, you know, in their current program. Um, and then they can go, go forth and, and there. So, you know, I hope that provides a good understanding. You, you know, you have vital data, you know, should be identified, spend a little extra money on that because it's the stuff you really got to have. Uh, that's going to cause you, you know, major problems. Uh, you know, if you do lose it, you've got to have your, your plans in place, your team well rehearsed. Uh, you have to have your third party, you know, advisor to help you get through it all. And you have to have the, uh, you know, the exercises and the tests to back it all up. Believe it or not, we've come to the end of the show. We only have one minute left. Do you, do you want to have a final thought for 30 seconds? So, yeah, I, so I think the final step is that, you know, there is a system, if you will, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a combined team. It's, it's, you know, this is a team sport and, um, you know, you've got to make sure that you've got everybody recognizing that, um, you know, it is a very different recovery case and it's very hard to predict how it's going to go. Um, and to set that expectation with your executives, uh, that you are actually taking some action. You recognize that there's differences between DR and, and data recovery. You know, this is a, a different DR. Um, and that you can um, put together the, a program that comforts your executives to say, you know, it seems like these guys really do have it, have it together and they've done a reasonable amount of testing. Uh, so I feel that we're, you know, probably in pretty good hands, you know, with our instruction operations team and our uh, uh, cybersecurity team that will probably get through it, but there's no guarantee that you will. Great. Lots of good information there, John. Thank you very much for sharing your uh, expertise and time with us today. Uh, I hope everyone was paying attention because I know, I don't know if you know Regina Phelps, but uh, I talked to her once and she said, this is what keeps executives up at night. So, uh, you know, you gave a lot of uh, great information. So thank you very much for that. My pleasure, Alex. And to everybody listening and watching, you know what I'm going to say. In the meantime, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.